This past Wednesday, I took a couple of or a few of our boys up to the seminary. There was a dinner with the bishop and for promotion of vocations. And at first, there was a little tour of the seminary. Then we sat down and had a dinner with the bishop, and our boys were invited to sit at the bishop's table, which is kind of like being at the captain's, captain's table on a cruise. And there was to be a discussion period afterward, and the head of vocations was there, and he was kind of peppering our boys with some questions that they might ask that the bishop was going to be prepared to speak on, you know, what's your vocation story and things like that, and who, which team are you rooting for, right? Okay, my boys didn't take any of those suggestions. They asked deep theological questions and other types of questions like this one. I know you're Father Valencheck's boss. Who's your boss? And I get these texts from my friends going, yeah, leave it to St. Sebastian boys. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> At the end, three seminarians stood up and they gave their uh, vocation story. And it made me think a little bit more about mine. I've shared, you with, uh, shared a lot of the stories with you before. One of them involves Catherine Paparella, who's no longer among us that many of you know. We went to college together. And uh, one day she just got this bee in her bonnet that she wanted to go up to Cleveland to attend an extraordinary form mass just to see what it was like. And would I go with her? I said, yeah, sure. So we did, and we drove up there, and we were sitting in the front row. And it was vocations weekend, and the priest was talking about everything about being a priest. And one thing that he talked about that really kind of struck me, he says, you know, when you go out and you anoint somebody, you take the oil and you... Uh, anoint them on their hands and on their palms, uh, on their forehead and on the palms of their hands. He said, but not so with the priest. Traditionally, you don't anoint the priest's hands. You turn the hands over and you anoint the backs of the hands because the fronts of the hands have been consecrated to Christ. Those are Christ's. If you want to consecrate the man, you turn the hands over. I remember Kathy sitting next to me and elbowing me and pointing. You should think about this. You should think about this. We both worked in the theater, and as I told you before, I believe in the power of the theater. I believe every time someone goes to the theater, your life has changed in some way. Either you are reaffirmed in what you believe and you're going to hold on to it, or you're going to be challenged and perhaps change your view of the world. And because it's so powerful, it disturbed me that I didn't have control over the message. There were some times that if I wanted a good grade, if I wanted to get my paycheck, if I wanted to keep my job, I had to do things that I didn't agree with. And in some cases, I thought I was poisoning my community. I was stage managing a show and backstage, and I, I found the show very demeaning to women, and there were some of my friends who were in it. And it was that day that I said, I can't do this anymore. And the priesthood became more and more attractive because here is a message I believe in that I believe is good not only for me and our community, but for the world. And I can say it, even if it's politically incorrect, I won't be fired, I won't be voted off the island, and I won't lose my wages if I say something while true is unpopular. On Friday night, I was walking around our property 
giving Sebastian his last airing out for the night. And we were just commenting on with a seminarian. And the seminarian, I was telling him, I love this place. I love that we can walk around here at night and the place is so beautiful and the people are so great. And I've loved all my assignments. I really have. I've, I've been very fortunate in my assignments. But I can't think of another place in this diocese where I'd be as happy as I am at St. Sebastian. Saturday morning, just in the morning, Saturday morning here at St. Sebastian, we have, of course, had mass, confession, rosary. The grounds crew has already been out planting and, and weeding. We had soccer going on down at that end of the property. We had a first communion retreat going on. The usual work was going on, office workers cleaning, changing of the candles. The KFC had their first degree, and these are just the things that I'm aware of on campus, and not even including the things that go on off campus. This place is a beehive of activity. There was a study done about city neighborhoods that are struggling, and they said one of the last things that keeps a city neighborhood together is the Catholic Church. When a Catholic parish closes down, the neighborhood takes a nosedive more than any other church. It's not only because we're so active, but it's because we constantly bring to the neighborhood not only resources and people, but a voice. We are so interconnected that it brings a stronger voice. When we need something, we have people to have a voice where it needs to be heard. And when the parish closes, the voice of the neighborhood vanishes and it sinks into some not-so-good stuff. I've been informed a number of times by other churches in our neighborhood, by businesses, and even by city, by the city, that this parish really holds this neighborhood together, and I'm honored to be a part of that. At the center of making our lives better spiritually, mentally, and physically is the source and summit of our lives. You know this because you're here today. The Eucharist the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, which feeds everything that we do. Jesus loves us so much that it wasn't enough for him simply to suffer and die for us as if it were some past event and there was some vague notion that you might be here someday to enjoy the benefits of it. You know, it's important to realize the tradition from which this comes. The way the Jewish people became the chosen people was first they had to celebrate the Passover meal. They celebrated that first Passover meal. And if they didn't, if for some reason you didn't like lamb, you didn't get the memo or whatever, for whatever reason, if you did not celebrate that Passover meal, you were not part of the chosen people. And when you woke up that next morning, the firstborn of your household would be dead. But how did future generations, generation after generation after generation, become part of the chosen people? It's when you celebrated the Passover meal year after year after year because you weren't celebrating a new Passover meal. You were partaking in that original Passover meal every year. That's the meal that Jesus was celebrating at the Last Supper up here with his 12 disciples. And every time we celebrate the Mass... We're not celebrating a new Mass. We're celebrating that one Mass being celebrated throughout the world and throughout time. That's why there's no table in this mosaic. The table is the altar in the sanctuary around which they gather because it's the same event. I tried to get this across on my blog this past week, and I wrote that you are being loved and saved at this very moment. 
Christ did not die 2,000 years ago for some idea of you today. That mystery in which we are present at the Mass is going on for you right now. Christ suffers and dies for you right now. He resurrects and is present to us at the Mass today. At that moment, when the portals of heaven and earth are open, he leads us in his ascension into heaven. And it is for you, not an idea of you, but you, and he calls you by name. It's almost too much for us to comprehend. And do you know who gets to be at the center of, of all that? The priest. The priest stands in persona Christi. The priest is not Christ. Matter of fact, the priest might not be particularly notable or even likable. But nonetheless, Christ uses him and uses his voice, and uses his hands. During the Triduum, I told you about Father Mike Stalla, a, di- a priest of the Diocese of Cleveland, who was uh, assigned now down in our sister diocese of El Salvador. He has 30 parishes, 30 parishes for which he is responsible. That means he gets to every one of them maybe once a month. And when he gets there, he has to do everything. He has to hear confessions. He has to do mass. He has to do weddings. He has to do funerals. He has to teach 30 parishes. And one time he was talking about he got back to his house and people wanted to see him and talk to him and have uh, a priestly presence. And he went to his room and closed the door. And he said he just started crying. He goes, God, this is too much. These people want too much of me. You want too much of me. What am I supposed to do? And he said he heard a voice in the back of his head, clear as day. He says, this is not about you, Michael. This is about me. I want you to get up and get out there because my people need me. I will feed them. If you haven't figured it out yet, This Sunday is not only Good Good Shepherd Sunday, it is also Vocation Sunday. Today, Jesus tells us he knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. I know you don't come here to see me. If we opened up a, a hall and I told people, come hear me speak, I'd be surprised if anybody came. Add Jesus into that mix every Sunday and I become one of 8,000 denominations that gather every weekend around the country. But that Christ is here. And not only do you hear his voice when his gospel is proclaimed, he is here present with us in the Eucharist, physically, body and blood, soul and divinity. And that's why both I and you are here today. I just happen to be the lucky one that gets to stand there when the words happen. And we both, we all know, The world needs more priests. Akron needs more priests. Cleveland needs more priests. St. Hilary just lost one of their priests, and they're not going to be able to replace him until the spring because he's been reassigned to another parish. Mass is a miraculous thing that happens in our community, but it only happens when we have priests. Not every man among us is called to be a priest, but every man among us is called to at least consider it once seriously, and pray about it. As a community, pray for vocations. 
recommend it to somebody that you see. Don't expect the diocese to pull out all the vocations because the diocese vocations office is one guy in an office. He can't take care of all of us. And support seminarians by your words of encouragement and other assistance. We have a family here that helps our particular seminarian with his books every year. I know we have vocations in this parish, no doubt about it. There are young men and some not so young in this parish that would make marvelous priests, and I would be honored to serve alongside of them. But they must be open, and this community must be supported of them. Next month, we're going to be doing some initiatives to help support a prayerful idea of seminary, of having seminarians spring up from this parish. I hope you join me in that. And in a special way today, I would like to have you join me in a prayer of vocations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Loving and generous God, it is you who call us by name and ask us to follow you. Help us to grow in love and service to your church. Grant us faith-filled leaders who will embrace Christ's mission of love and justice. Bless the Church of Cleveland by raising up dedicated and generous priests from our families and friends who will serve you and your people. Inspire us to know better and open our hearts to hear your call. We ask this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin as we pray together. Hail Mary. Saint Sebastian, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.